Welcome to Grace Harvest Church's weekly podcast. For more information about Grace Harvest Church or to find out more about something you hear during the podcast, visit us online at graceharvestchurch.org. Now listen in and allow God to speak to you through this week's message. We are continuing the series of Water and Spirit this morning. You could say this is part three. I'll be covering uh, one verse from John chapter 3, verse 8, continuing in the dialogue of Jesus talking with Nicodemus. Just one verse, we're going to jump on that. Water and Spirit, John 3, verse 8. And it's a great verse in the conversation of Jesus talking with Nicodemus. Now, for those of you that have been on this journey for the last several weeks, we've been in uh, the conversation of Nicodemus, who was a teacher, a religious teacher, and was well-versed in in the history and and all the things that were were Jewish. And so he had some questions, and and Jesus visited him, and they, they dialogued, and they were able to talk, and Nicodemus was trying to wrap his head around what it means to be, to be born again, and trying to, to think and ask questions about, well, how do I do this? Do, does it mean that I, that I jump back into my mother's womb, and how would that happen? And, and Jesus dialoguing him through this about what it means to be born of the Spirit. And so they have this, this great conversation, and continuing the conversation, uh, Jesus talks with him, and then there's a little sentence right in verse 8. And it's right after just the reemphasis of, of Jesus telling Nicodemus that all these things, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Don't marvel at what I said to you, but, but then he says, you must be born again. Just that, imagine the context. And then he says, verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. What a fantastic little descriptor there. Jesus already is the master storyteller, amen? Already the one who, who knew what he was going to say and the implications of the story. And so, so the question is, why this little, why this little uh, illustration? Why the correlation? Why the, why, why the comparison between the wind and those born of the Spirit and, and how the wind moves and how the Spirit of God moves? And, and what does that mean for us? And why, why try and apply that to our lives? And that's, I hope, somewhere in this conversation or, or this um, lecture maybe or that, that we can land somewhere in the middle there. But how many of you guys have ever wondered when the wind picks up, where does this wind come from? Anyone ever wonder? Anyone ever marvel at how it can just, here in Moses Lake, depending on where you are, certain areas are more, more uh, prone to wind than others? You could be standing in one spot and it's calm, and then maybe take a drive across town and the wind is just howling. You ever, you ever wonder, have you ever, yesterday might have been a good day to, if you were out of town a little bit, the wind was howling. And it was moving. We used to camp with my family, and we even took some people from our church for a while, as long as they could handle it, uh, to a place we'd rough camp, no services, and this place is just outside of Grand Coulee on the other side of uh, Banks Lake called Barker's Canyon. 
It's a fish and wildlife, uh, no services. You got to get there. The road, once you get off the gravel road, is just like bumping. It's like, oh man, you get there. And when you arrive, it's the backside of Steamboat Rock. You're looking at the backside of Steamboat Rock. And when you arrive, it's really, it's really kind of this um, false allure. It, it lulls you in, and you, you set up your camp, and you're, you're walking around, you do your thing, you cinch everything down tight, and man, you begin to cook dinner, and almost on the clock, maybe 4.30, 5 o'clock, somewhere in there, you feel a little breeze begin to blow. And you're like, oh, this is nice. And you begin to just eat. And, and then all of a sudden, by, by 7 or 8 o'clock, you wonder, what in the world are you doing at Barker's Canyon? The wind is whipping. It's howling. Sand is going everywhere. And, and I mean, you're just doing everything you can, or at least I was, running around. Oh, my t- is the tent okay? You, whatever thing you set up, is it, is it strong enough? And you're, you're packing stuff away. It's not even fun to sit around the campfire. If, if any of you have ever been there or went with me, I mean, oh, some of you, I mean, you know, you know the stories, right? You know that this is like the wind. The wind is amazing. In fact, one night I was out there and I had a little trailer at this time and and Judah, my son, was like five or six and and he had his own little tent and he wanted to sleep outside. So I let him sleep outside. I nestled it right against my trailer and the wind picked up and my trailer is is moving. And I'm thinking the whole time, I'm thinking, I got my son out. He's going to get blown into the lake. Oh man. So So I go out and I I t- I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. I tie the tent. I tie it to my trailer. And so I secure the tent. It's just a little tent. He was, and then the wind is just howling. The rain picks up. And there's some other families from the church with us. And at one point, I look out of my trailer, and the wind is blowing so hard, it's, it's, it's laid the tent sides over the bodies of those sleeping in one of the tents. And I could see them laying there. I was like, looking, oh, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. And they were out. They were out. And then I look over to another side, and I notice that a vehicle's gone, and it looks like some tents are down, and other, but stuff is scattered everywhere. And then it dawned on me. That family just picked up and left and went home. They just like called it quits. They're done. They left. The wind. The wind is a mysterious and powerful force. You try to harness it. And I know the science, there's great science, and you can study and ask the questions, and depending on where you are, cold air, hot air, and inversions, and and what causes wind currents in different places, that's all great. It still is a mystery. The wind. And here Jesus is saying... To Nicodemus, who is, a, who is a, a studied scholar, Nicodemus, you must be born again. You, you must understand that there's a, another birth that needs to happen. You must be born of the Spirit. It's just like the wind. The wind comes and goes. You don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it's going. And the bottom line is, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. What is Jesus telling Nicodemus? Well, in a nutshell, he's telling Nicodemus, you never know what the Spirit's doing or where the Spirit's going, but it all is a work of the mysterious Holy Spirit. Amen? 
I mean, it's a nutshell. We can, th- th- then in other words, he's telling Nicodemus this work and even this drawing and, and, this, and this, this process of, of even wanting and moving towards, towards the truth and about salvation is all a work of the Spirit anyhow. You don't control this. This is not a work of your flesh. In fact, later on in John chapter 6, it says that it says this work is not of the flesh, but it's of the spirit. That that it's the spirit that does it. See, we're talking about being born of water and of spirit. And even this morning we had baptism. And this is a public demonstration. First service, we had like five or six baptisms somewhere in there. And it was a celebration. And, and, and we, 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 we baptized him. And old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And we're, we're celebrating the context. And even in faith that, that these people have identified with Christ. And they've laid down their life. And they said, yes, Lord, lead and guide me. And we're celebrating in that the work of the Holy Spirit, and the outward demonstration of what God is doing, right? Amen? Come on, come on, talk to me a little bit. So, so here we've been on a journey of trying to understand and talking through being born of the Spirit and, ha- and allowing the transformation, transformational work of what God does in our lives and recognizing that it's the Holy Spirit that initiates that we don't control, that it's him who's at work within us, and we're the ones who merely respond. Amen? Amen. And that the truth is, is there is one who is sent called the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus, this is really cool because John chapter 3, if you look at the harmony of the Gospels, so lay the Gospels side by side, and, and you begin to, to lay them up and look at, look at the text and the stories of how they fit into the life of Christ, you'll notice that, that there's this theme that begins to emerge about Jesus' conversations and the words he begins inserting about the work that he's doing and the work that will continue when he's gone. And that is that there is one called the Holy Spirit. And he, he keeps reasserting, uh, he keeps reasserting the work, he keeps introducing the personhood in, in, a, in a way that, that, that tells us that he is saying that you were designed for a relationship with the one called the Holy Spirit. And he's at work to initiate the work of God in your life, but there's a response that happens, and there's an arrival that will happen later in the text about the Holy Spirit arriving and giving power gifts. And in a new a new presence anointing to the people. And so we want to jump in just for dialogue and conversation. We want to jump into Luke chapter 12, verse 10 through 12. And this is this is a description of how the Holy Spirit will even work in the lives of people. It says, So, and everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. So I just want to stop there a minute to say that, to, 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 so in that context of blaspheme, that those who deny the work of the Holy Spirit and even attribute it to other powers, that, that we disregard the power of the Holy Spirit able to work and to do great things, there's a caution here about that, that we should be open to the workings of God and even saying, God can and He will. Amen? I mean, this is, so, so we believe that, and it says, when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. 
This is the great description of one of the actions of the Holy Spirit. Think about its context. Think about the implications. You're, you're arrested or you're taken in for questioning for righteous cause. And right here in the moment, you don't know what to say. Don't be anxious. A trial's about to happen. Don't be anxious. Okay, Lord. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Give me what, what I ought to say. Give me the words in my mouth. And then believe that when you go to open your mouth, the right words will come out. Think about, think about the kind of supernatural help and faith in reliance upon this one called Holy Spirit that Jesus would imply, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. He'll give you the words to say, don't worry, he will help you. And then in John 14, later in the book of John, it says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, now, this is in the conversation about the disciples wondering what's going to happen when Jesus keeps talking about, I'm about ready to leave you, I'm about ready to go, and later, later, several chapters later, they're talking through and like, please don't leave us, what's going to happen? And Jesus says, wait, whoa, don't worry, I must go, because if I don't go, then one who's been promised won't come, called the Holy Spirit. But in John 14, it says, but the helper who will come will teach you in all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said you think about this we know that the holy spirit has been promised to us it was a promise for then and then for the generations and for those who are afar off we are the people who are afar off amen like if you were to look at a world map you've got jerusalem on one side and then you could find moses lake washing yes that's about as far as you can get from jerusalem And the promise is for us, too, that there would be one who would come called the Helper that will teach us in all things and bring to our remembrance even our encounters along the way that would resound with others who are in the flow of Jesus and have a relationship with God. Jesus' conversations with the apostles about the power of the Holy Spirit were, were the urging that they would embrace this Helper. Think about this. Come on, guys, I know I'm leaving. I know I'm leaving. But if I don't go, the the helper will not come. I got to go. The helper will not come. The helper has been sent by God to help you. To help you. All along this conversation, Jesus is, is, keeps pushing this idea to the apostles. There is one who will come to help you. Now, now this is... For every believer in the New Testament era. And the Holy Spirit is one of those topics that, that you, you find many, many varying ex- levels of acceptance and even allowance of what they feel like they can try to control about, about what he does. But at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit is like the wind in how he works in the lives of people. You, you can't control it. He initiates. He moves it won't be limited. Have you ever thought about the idea of trying to harness and stop the wind? You might be able to block for a little bit. You might be able to, you know, you know, you might be able to think that you've got a little bit of a but you really don't. You really don't. The Holy Spirit 
will do what he wants. And, and then, l- later, in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, it says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. We are several days, we are several weeks from what the church would celebrate as the Pentecost, the arrival of the Holy Spirit to to the New Testament church, kind of even the the kickoff or the beginning, and the scripture, even the descriptions about its arrival, and there came a sound like that of a mighty rushing wind on the people as they prayed, and the Holy Spirit arrived on the scene and they began to speak with other tongues jesus told the apostles wait don't leave yet don't leave because i'm sending one who's going to arrive to help you believe me wait and receive this one who will come you see the holy spirit it's clear that when we read the gospels that Jesus is urging the disciples, therefore us, to be open and even a charge to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. One that we would recognize its leading in our lives, one that we would yield in accordance with, with even what we see synonymous with the Gospels and, and the Bible, that, that, that in other words, where the Holy Spirit leads, it doesn't contradict what we know about God in the Scripture, that, that, that it confirms what we read and what we know about how God works. This is really important because we, as we journey in the faith, you were not meant to walk alone. Amen? Come on, come on, we're walking through. I know there's people around and we're, we're together and like, okay, we, we can walk together, but there's something about the implications about knowing that, that it's the Holy Spirit that was at work within us, that he drew us, that he convicted us of sin. And now along the way, there's a relationship that could be had. In fact, the word helper that was given to the Holy Spirit was a word called paraclete. In other words, another leg. Think about that. Jesus is saying, wait. I'm sending one who'll give you another, another platform, another, another leg. You, you'll be able to walk a little better. It'll be something you can lean on. It will be something that will come alongside and, and reinforce all the things I've taught, illuminate other things. But in other words, you will be encouraged, have a relationship with this one called the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so, so we see that it's God at work, that we, that we can't contain it, that it's him who initiates, and that this is a gift from God. And then we see, later on, the Apostle Paul writes to us and encourages the early church about how to interact and engage. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, long text, the Apostle Paul says, But I say, walk by the Spirit. What, is, what does he mean, walk by the Spirit? He's meaning allow it to encourage you and to, to come into alignment with everything that it would, that it would um, remind you of and draw you to walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so here we see, and if you, you read, the, read, the, read the Gospels and the letters to the churches, you'll see there's this constant tension and warfare. 
And that's the flesh and the spirit. And the flesh would be your sin nature and all the desires and longings that come with it. And then you have the presence of God and his leading and direction and the Holy Spirit that would, that would come alongside and confirm that. And he says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Well, we see the Apostle Paul takes the time to, to lay out all the different categories or thoughts about what those things might be. And he says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. And these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want. On other side, there's tension. You're constantly being drawn other ways that, that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit's saying, come, do this. That's not okay. Do this. And your flesh is, but I want to do this. This is what I crave to do. This is what I'm drawn towards. And, and the Apostle Paul is encouraging, wait, think about this. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. You're free. You're free to do good things. Amen? You're free. Now, the works of the flesh and are evident. And then he lays out, but I want you to think about this. This is, this is a, a great example of the kinds of things that our flesh draws us towards, okay? Sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. Do you guys all know what that means? Sexual immorality. It's a wide-ranging category, but it's simply put, the positive encouragement would be that if you are in any form of sexual activity with any of members of your body outside of the covenant of marriage, that fits the category of sexual immorality. It's not okay. It's not, it's not a, a leading of the Holy Spirit. There's no way that you, can, that you can push it towards God has me to be in this relationship. This, this category right here, Paul writes a few things about impurities, all those, all those things that you would be led to do that, that you know, wow. This, man, here's a good test. How do you feel when it comes to light? Or you just throw it out there for people to know. Yeah. Just expose yourself uh, in your actions, not expose yourself. sensuality, idolatry, things that you would put over the essence of God, sorcery, this actually interesting word, sorcery, we would think of, uh, of witchcraft and stuff. Actually, this word, go look it up, has to do with things that you would uh, take in, into, your, into your body to give you uh, another experience. It's root word. Maybe some of you would, would know this is, um, we extrapolate, but the root word is pharmacia, sorcery. Here, take this. Take this and let it alter something about you. You wrestle with that how you want, but let the, let the Holy Spirit lead you. But that's the root word of this enmity, strife. So here's behavioral enmity, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy. All those things that are in that interpersonal way about how I feel towards you and the desire to control. And if I can't have my way or the outcome isn't like I want, what can I do to put you down, tear you down, just, just get in the way, be, be, be a blocker? The Apostle Paul is saying that kind of behavior is simply your flesh. Drunkenness, a lifestyle of drunkenness, orgies, not okay, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Here's the thing about all those behaviors. All those behaviors are about me. 
They're about my own pleasure, my own gratification, my own, it, it feeds my own desires. They're nothing about how can I serve you, Lord? How can I, how can I worship you? How can I serve others? And then he contrasts that. But the fruit of the Spirit... You catch that? you got to have a relationship with the Spirit, right? Be led by the Spirit. And here's the fruit of the Spirit. Is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. In other words, there's nothing that would prohibit you from loving one another. There's no law against you being full of joy. There's, there's no law against you displaying self-control. Right? I mean, think these through here. There, there's, there's no law against you demonstrating kindness. The Holy Spirit says, go, do this. There's no law against you practicing or desiring patience. There's no law against that. And probably for many of us, we should be like, okay, Lord, Work in us. There's no law against peace or being a peacemaker. You can move in that now. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. You can be a peacemaker. There's no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit, and let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is a great ending to this text, because, because as we work in the Spirit of God, He begins to mold and shape us. And here, here can be a tendency. Have you ever been around good people? Just, it's okay. Good people aren't bad. And all of a sudden, we build a good culture. Healthy people build healthy cultures. Sick people emotionally can build sick cultures. But if you ever run around good people, they can... Well, there's a culture that can be built. And sometimes we can find safety in the goodness of our actions. And we measure other people against our own goodness. And we might require things of people that are not from the Spirit, but they're, but they're good. And so we contrast that or even lay that over with them. And then we use it to judge them or meter against them. You know what I'm talking about? So like there's, there's different, man, I got to do this to do this, or I got to do this. And, and before you know it, you've got all these structures and confines and you try to navigate just to, just to get to where you're going. And, and, the, and I love this. And he says, let us not be conceited, provoking one another. The idea that you're better than because you're... You're, you're, you're walking in, the, in, in, in step with the Holy Spirit and recognize that the people around you, this is God's desire for them. And so if we're acting in the Spirit, we're going we're gonna to say, hey, come walk with me. Let me show you how to dialogue. And let me show you how to relationship. And let me show you what it is to live in His presence and to work and to do this in freedom. Amen? And it will be life for people. It will be life for people. Life for people. I love this. And not envying one another. So when you're looking at others, you recognize, oh, oh I want what they got. And I, oh, that's so. And you recognize, all right, Lord, work in me. Work in me. This is an issue about me. I love you, Lord. Holy Spirit, help me. And if, and if we made that a prayer, a regular prayer and pattern of our lives, okay, Lord, 
Help me to be in step with the Holy Spirit. Lead and guide me today. Help me to be aware of my own, just the wrestlings within me, and to lay them down and obey you. This is what Jesus was urging the apostles to be aware of. You see, here's why. Because in in Romans 15, 13, here's one of the things. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. You see, there's something about the reality and the recognition that you have hope, and it comes from Jesus, and the Holy Spirit helps to reinforce that, that we be a people of a good word. Come on, that we be a people of a good word, that we would be a people that would recognize that no matter what happens around us, I'm going to abound in this thing called hope because I know the Holy Spirit's with me, my hope is in, is in the Lord, my, my rescue is in Him, and I, there's another word about this situation other than what I see or other than I perceive, or even there's another word about the mess I've made. All right, Lord. Help me to yield and lead and guide me. Come on, there's something about that, even this encouragement that that we be people who would be led by the Holy Spirit, that we would be people who recognize that we were charged and encouraged and even created to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Amen?